My name's Scott Amos, and I'm here to inspire you to go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profits. Welcome to the Go Big to Give Big podcast, where we are challenging six-figure earners to become seven-figure givers. My name is Randy Mullen, and each week, my co-host Steve Arneson and I are interviewing successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, philanthropists, and other high-performing humans that are inspiring us with their stories. We go deep into uncovering how they have become successful and why generosity is an impact they want to leave on this world. Our mission is to have you leave this podcast wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. All right, today's episode is with Haven Mattress founder, Scott Amos. If you have never heard of Haven Mattress before, it is a high quality mattress in a box that gets delivered right to your door. But Haven Mattress is so much more than just a mattress company and is being led by an incredible human being that just wants to do good in this world. Scott was introduced to us by mutual friends and from our first conversation, I knew he had to be a guest on the podcast. In this episode, he shares about why Haven Mattresses chose a 10 to 1 model where every 10 mattresses they sell, they give one away and how he is currently building a company that will see a significant amount of mattresses stay out of the landfills. He also shares his true passion and excitement for business. Let me tell you, Scott is full of laughter and entertainment and made this episode so easy to listen to. Also, I recommend hanging on to listen to the final bits of this episode as Scott shares about his favorite moment of giving that left all three of us in tears and needing a full moment to regroup after. This is one of my favorite episodes to date, and I can't wait for you to hear from the incredible Scott Amos. All right. We are excited to welcome Scott Amos to the show. Welcome, my friend. Hey, hey good to be here. We're- hey, Randy, this is a... Great way to spend the afternoon. Let's make some magic. I'm excited to dive into this one. We've had a few chats and you're quite the entrepreneur, but also quite the philanthropist along the way. But you started out by being a bit of a big deal in the mattress industry and has really helped you build your career in the space that you've gotten into. And I would love to just learn a little bit about your journey of where did you get that entrepreneurial spirit and where did it come from to get to the point of creating Haven Mattresses? Great. Yeah, good question, Steve. I think the every entrepreneur, when you get to a certain point in your life, you look back and go, I was an entrepreneur like as a little kid. I remember we had relatives from overseas come and stay at our house and I was a three-year-old swimming in the pool. And I noticed that they had towels and shoes and sandals and stuff. So I went and made a little display down by the shallow end and I had their shoes that they owned and I put them out there and I had towels folded. And as my relatives would get out of the pool, I was like, hey, 25 cents, I got these perfectly fitting sandals for you and a towel. So like 100% margin, no overhead, no control of inventory. Like it was probably one of my best businesses ever. Margins. Uh, and uh, I still have an uncle. I have a receivable I got to go collect on, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> with compound interest, it's actually probably be worth the phone call. So yeah, the entrepreneurship I think has been hardwired into me. I wasn't entrepreneur. I was entrepreneurial in my career, moved into the car business and became successful in sales, which was an important skill for me as an entrepreneur to really hone because I didn't, that's such a key thing that I, when I do mentor other entrepreneurs, I really do focus on the fact that you're selling every day 
And having a good solid background in sales can be a huge asset. You're selling your investors, you're selling your customers, you're selling your staff. There is just so much about influence there. So worked in the car business in the luxury end and became very successful as a top rated salesperson in Canada and won all the awards and then got into management. And then I looked back and thought, geez, I can really take a market and build incredible value for the shareholders. Geez, wouldn't it be cool if I had enough confidence in myself to actually be the shareholder to go build the value? And that's where Haven kind of became that leapfrog from do rather than doing for others, doing for yourself. And really was an opening because I could steer the company however which way I felt it should go. That's super cool. And that's, I think it's a lot of the journey that people take along the way is they start working their way up the ladder and then go, why don't I just own the ladder and let somebody else climb mine? So uh, I loved hearing that. What got you into the mattress industry? Was it just something that was natural for you and an opportunity that came up or was it family related or? Yeah, no. So my family's been involved in the mattress production end. So my, my brother, a few years senior than me, has been one of the key designers and engineers of mattresses in Canada. So he has a number of factories in Canada that he represents. He builds for all of the big brands, the Bricks, Sleep Country, Costco, all the independent guys. And he was the mattress guy. And he kind I got to that point where I was like, hmm, that conversation about the ladder. I was like, it'd be nice to get a ladder. And he just said, I just think the bed in a box segment is going to be blowing up. I think consumers are going to go away from brick and mortar. And he goes, in fact, I'm losing independent bed stores every week and month. He goes, we should really start uh, a bed in a box. We should go together and I'd bring all the expertise from the market and you'd bring all the marketing and customer experience and we'll build this amazing company together. So month one, websites up, we're running and I get a phone call going, so here's the problem. My boss doesn't want me running a mattress company on the side while I'm selling all these key. So tell you what, why don't you just buy me out and I'll go back to my day job and you're fine. You'll figure it out. So not the best first impression being in the mattress business, finding myself being somewhat an entrepreneur with a partner and then an entrepreneur without one. But that's how I ended up hoodwinked technically into the mattress business. So it's like. I'm in, grab a paddle, uh, start rowing. So, so that was what, six years ago. What happened next then? It sounds like you have the visionary capability of an entrepreneur. Like you see that you can create a ladder, that you can create the, the prongs within that ladder. You can climb your own ladder and then have other people climb that ladder as well. What took that to the next level into scaling that business for you? I think the, what really needed to happen is I. And I look back at that st story I just told, I like, that was pretty pivotal and pivotal in a positive way and an important way. Cause it was a, here's your chance to get out moment. I, I, no one would have ever shamed me for leaving that day. So oh, I, what do I know about the mattresses and I would have had an easy out. I think what it just, it was the way the universe works. Things happen for a reason at the exact same time, my wife in perfectly fine health had a major setback in, in a stroke in their early forties, which is extremely rare. And I just looked at the stress and pressure that she was under just living the lifestyle that we were living. And I was like, I don't know. I think the universe wants something bigger and better for us. I have the segue. I can revert back or I can push on as an entrepreneur and continue my dreams. My dream with Haven was that it's a family run business. So I'd actually be working with my wife every day. And I, it was such a great signal to me and I'm so thankful I was aware to see it because 
Her health improved dramatically. We made all of the right, we put all of our momentum and effort into that channel and it just had paid off so many great rewards for us. And now she's involved in the business every day. She takes care of our bed face and linen and sheet uh, division. She's actively evolving. Her health has improved immensely. Like it's literally an amazing story, fairy tale conclusion as to at that moment, it was a pretty dark time and you push through those dark times and you follow you follow a direction and sometimes you are cognizant of what's pushing you there. And sometimes you just find an energy source and go after it. And I'm so grateful now to look back at the relationship we have together, our working relationship, our marriage, and to be able to know that we can invest now collectively rather than doing our own independent thing. So I got to stay here, Scott, like you have just a fairly incredible or magnetic charisma about you right from the first minute that we hired. <laughs> Yeah, right from the first minute we hopped on here, it's just like attracts like I find in the universe as well. Yeah. How have you found that, I guess, like cheerful, ambitious quality in business? Because oftentimes I come across people that are just brash, I'll say, that negotiate hard, that are like walls up and straight faced to the point almost. Has there been challenges along the lines of that personality conflict in a large world of entrepreneurship and business in Canada here, or is that something actually that you see as a benefit to working with others? Yeah. Randy, I don't know. There's, there is still that hard driving business personality type in the market. And thankfully he's getting old and the she's of the world are coming on and the younger people are coming on. And those guys are the whole and talk about personal development, man, when I was in my twenties, I was reading everything I could find on negotiating, you know, imagine being a young car sales guy being trained on, there's just that dog eat dog kind of thing. And you want to get to the top of the heap and a good proving ground and training ground, but man, really not something you'd ever want to live as. And have, I can only say that because I've lived both lives. When you live a life now where you do deals with people because you want to do business with them and you do it in an honorable way and you can phone people up and say, hey, listen, I took a look at the numbers and this this doesn't work for you. Not that it doesn't work for me. I was looking at this and I, I don't think this is fair that you're bringing this much value to the partnership and I'm bringing, perhaps maybe I'm bringing less. Maybe we should renegotiate to be able to do that in business. It's funny. It sounds like you're being taxed or it sounds like you're being pulled back or it sounds like there's something, there's less for you, it ends up almost immediately there's more for you. And uh, I, I do spend a lot of time with entrepreneurs in helping them train and r raise money or whatever. And the value today of authenticity and credibility, and I never do a transaction with someone that's a one-timer. Like I just, I have no interest in a singular transaction. I'm only interested in ongoing relationship building. I help you build your business. And sometimes with really no expectation of a return, but that's okay because I get it somewhere else. It just, it's about paying forward. If you save money in a bank account, it's, you're going to build, you're going to build value and wealth over time. I just find that relationships and partnerships and working with the people around me, investing in them is the same thing as a currency. I love that answer so much. While we're on that space, do you spend time working on mindset, like working on gratitude, working on trying to be of an abundance mindset? Do you have a morning routine? Is that something you spend a lot of time on? Or does that just come naturally to you that you're just a positive, happy outlook? Law of reciprocity was just came naturally to you? No. I. So the answer is I don't really have a ritual or routine for that other than throughout the day, stop 
And I think that's really, for me, all I need to do. I just need to stop and go, dude, like, wow, be thankful. And the thing is, it's people will learn. And I, I talk to, again, young entrepreneurs. It's like, dude, you're going you're gonna to work your way up that ladder. You're going to work your way up that ladder. And I'm going to tell you, my experiences, and, I've, and I, as I have friends that are way wealthier than I am. And come, you imagine working at a high-end car dealership, a BMW dealership, you're dealing with some of the most affluent people in the market. And you're like, wow, if I could ever have what those folks have, I'd be so happy. The truth is, there really is, in my opinion, there's no direct correlation to the amount of money in your bank account and how happy you are. And unfortunately, a lot of us were told back in the 80s, that's how you do it. Like, this is it. Be Wall Street. Go out there and fulfill your life with speedboats and Ferraris. And it's a man, the dudes that I know with, I know more cab drivers in third world countries that live absolutely enchanted lives that I'm jealous of than I know dudes with Ferraris who I'm like, wow, if I could ever walk in his sandals for a day, I drive the car. I'd love to say, I would take the car. And I would, you gotta have some little fun. I, that stop. part I would do, but yeah, I'm a little concerned with just the mentality that the business community puts out and, and it's getting better. Like I said, that, that mentality is aging out. And I really do like to see the, the new generation of entrepreneurs coming on, solving a lot of problems for people and, and being able to do it in an intelligent way and using technology and circular economies. And there's just so many good things happening. I'm, I, yeah, you're right. I'm a pretty optimistic kind of guy. I'd love to take a little bit of a pivot here and talk to you a little bit about like the marketing and branding that you've done for Haven. And I know one of the things that you were able to accomplish was getting on HGTV and working with, I think it's Brian Balmer, is that who it is? And yep. getting on some of his shows and stuff like that. Like, how did you get in that door and how has that allowed your company to expand and grow? And what are some of the other things that you've done along the way to help you get that expansion and growth? That's a great question. The Brian story, again, I give a lot of credit to my wife. I, we were early days. I was literally selling like mattresses to friends. <laughs> it was like, hey, dude, I was at your place. That guest bedroom's pretty, pretty <laughs> I'll, I'll let me contribute to. So that's the point we were at. The company was really young and I knew I needed a national brand ambassador. I needed somebody that could bring us to the next level. My wife said, you know what? I really like these people. They're Canadian. They're quality. They're authentic. They're, they've got they're, they live a somewhat more affluent lifestyle, which Haven is a premium brand. It's, a, it's an upscale brand. It's not entry level. And why don't we reach out to them? So she sent an email and bang, they were like, you guys are a social impact company in 2016. Yeah. You're plant-based. You build locally sourced materials. You have a short supply chain and you manufacture everything by hand in Canada. Yeah, we'll talk to you. And I remember my wife and I were, we live in Kelowna, British Columbia, and it's a beautiful, for people who haven't been here, I don't know, do I tell them to come or do I tell them to stay? <laughs> Let me think about that. But it is a magical Her place. Term. It's a magical place. And I remember taking my iPhone and, and just recording a video to Brian and Sarah. And I just said, Brian and Sarah Baumler, you guys, there's a million companies you could deal with who could afford to pay whatever to get your endorsement. I said, this is my wife. This is me. This is what we're about. I was a hundred percent authentic. I showed them around. I said, this is where we live. We'd love to have you part of our brand, but I know it's going to take a leap of faith on your end because right now I'm probably nothing. And I sent that off and a week later we had a handshake and a contract and they came on as our national brand ambassadors. So at the time they were working with a major car company, a major paint company, and the Royal Bank of Canada and Haven Mattress. 
Wow. And I was like, eh? wow. And so the relationship continued. We fast forwarded a couple years and they were going to be filming a new show down in the Bahamas. They bought this dysfunctional resort that had been abandoned for 10 years, just a disaster. And they wanted a special bed for this five-star resort. And they said, what are you working on? I said, oh, I got something for you. So we came up with this new high-end pillow top, beautiful bed. It's the first time a a 14-inch mattress ever got compressed successfully and put into a box. Now, I will say, you can actually compress anything. Getting it to come back was the problem. We actually managed to perfect a really super high-end mattress. And the bombers signed off on it. They put it in every suite in their room. They, they had us come down. My wife and I went down with good friends of ours. We filmed at the resort episodes. We got to see the beds in the environment. And the minute that show aired, we had the phone calls. What's the bed? What's the, I saw the, tell me, mm. uh, we had people like stopping the tape and rewinding. <laughs> Haven, Google, give, Haven, go get me the mattress. And Google would come back with havenmattress.ca. So yeah, it was a game changer. No question. That is so cool. I love that. Was there, was there anything followed up from that took your company to the next level or is that kind of the next step you're at right now? And what does that next level look like for you? Yeah, there's, Steve, we've literally had so many people along the way. And I think a lot of it has come through our charitable component. When I was actually designing the original Haven, we were sketching it out and I'm working through all the logistics, how we're going to make it. At the time, a friend of mine was Jillian Harris, Jillian Harris, very predominant influencer in the Canadian market and actually internationally. And I was fortunate enough, Jillian's a friend of mine. And I said, Hey, listen, I'm thinking of quitting my life. I'm thinking of walking away from all of this. And I'm thinking of making this mattress and you're a designer, Jillian, would you take a look at this? And her and I were related. We were working a fair bit together with a charity actually locally, originally in Kelowna was Mamas for Mamas and she's their national brand ambassador. She looked at my mattress and she said, was this designed by a guy? And I'm like, yeah. Hot wheels on it. She goes, it looks masculine. Like nobody who buys mattresses. I said, like the lady in the house, generally, like a lot of female buyers. She's like, yeah, so let's fix this. Let's fix this. So she gave me a free design lesson, <laughs> Re- revamped my whole thing. And that obviously was the initial round of success as far as having a very, very good product. So yeah, we've had so many great relationships like that throughout, throughout our Haven experience. And each one of those unlocks a whole new door and opens up a whole new channel. So. Awesome, Scott. I want to ask you about your 10 to 1 promise, but just before I do that, perfect little segue from what we were talking about, scaling the business into the philanthropy part of it. Have But I want to marry that right now in the question. So has the charitable component of your business like positively impacted the actual growth of your business as well from other scalability size or bottom line? Are you seeing like a, a one-to-one type of impact in that? I would say it's difficult to, to, to really trace that directly back to monetization and direct correlation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would say if you thought you could start a shitty mattress company and give away to charity and be successful, it wouldn't work. So this is really about, you must deliver an incredibly comfortable mattress for the money. And then as I'm building, as your customers are saying to you, as I'm building this relationship for you, I'm looking to see, are you trustworthy? You're, are you on the Better Business Bureau as a black flag or are you A plus? Are you socially engaged? Do you do these? And, and I think for a lot, of, a lot of Haven customers, they absolutely rave and love the product. And then once they're exposed to that first level of value, 
Then they go and they give back and they make in Canada and it's plant-based and there's no chemicals. So those are the, the add-ons that, that anchor that core value proposition. Because the truth is you probably could be comfortable on another brand of mattress that would be defunct of those things. And this is really about pulling your brand up to being seen above the crowd for all things. And that's, that's quite a task. I would actually say that in a lot of cases, we over-engineered and we over-challenged our team in the early stages. But that was because we were in a marketplace where people were used to spending six or $7,000 on a high-end mattress. And, but they had to pay all the overhead and transportation, brick and mortar warehouses and stuff. And we're like, I know what's in that bed. Actually, the truth, I sleep on this bed, but I didn't pay no $6,000 for it. I know a guy who like gets them sewn. So I can get that bed for $1,500 or $2,000. And what if we build a company that we got that bed, two people in a box and cut out all that middle markup and in, in over-engineering that bed and over-engineering the requirements of our business, that was a very important first thing because today, 30% of all of our business comes from our current customers. Yeah. And you would imagine a mattress is a 10-year purchase. That's a durable product that you're not replacing. But what we've learned is because the initial quality of the bed was so high, it sold a second and a third and a fourth and one for the RV and one for the cabin and stuff, which we weren't really totally aware of. And in fact, if you look back at my original business plan, I was using the industry average of about 8% repeat customer rates. We far, you know, the talk about scaling your company, it's that you make that overinvestment in that original quality that yeah. you think all of the people are telling you'll never compete. Costco will blow you out of the water. Wait, yeah, but Costco doesn't sell this. I know what Costco sells and it is inexpensive, but that's not the goal of every shopper is to buy the absolutely least expensive way to get something solved. And if it's something like sleep, Man, like if, if there, if I can make one ask of everyone out there, cut things out of your life. Do not cut out sleep. Like you're just, that is a return on investment that you absolutely can't afford to do. And if you try it for seven days. Is that where all your energy comes from? You've been sleeping on a good mattress for so many years. It's gay. Sells itself. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can, this is how we do it. There's a, I have to go now. I have a nap. I'm ready. <laughs> Haven just opened up in the snooze room. I got to go. Uh, one of our one of our mentors in business, he calls it like mom factories, and it's those that experience that you deliver from a higher quality product and those extra value adds like plant based pieces that create that culture and that tribe that people then share that your mission and your quality and your experience with other people and become that mom factory. Because who's your greatest fan? It's your mom. And so it's cool to hear that all those all pieces, exactly all those pieces add up to your mom factory. But thank you for sharing that on the 10 to 1 promise, man. Tell us about that and how it came up. What was the origin from it? The idea, that light bulb moment, and how has it impacted people today? It's, inc it's completely genius, which means I didn't come up with it. So let's be clear about that. <laughs> yeah, I, that's 100% stolen from Tom's shoes. I read the book and I was like, and you read a book like that when you're in a period of, hey, I've been following the path and, and this isn't working. I can get a bigger house and I can get a nicer car. I can, but this is, I, I'm hollow and I don't want to be hollow anymore. And you read a, you read a, an entrepreneur's journey in where you really focus on social impact. I was like, the truth is I do actually like being involved with helping other people. Let's go see what that would be like. And we started Haven. I'm embarrassed to admit this, but the original business model for the mattress was 
one to one. So like I was, okay, you really want to tax your startup. That's, you know, like a little bean plant just coming out of the ground. It was like, oh, here you go. Here's a brick. And so we, I crunched the math. I was like, you know what? I don't care. I want to do this one to one. And I was noticing that our sales weren't really taken off as much. So I was like, okay, I got a phone. So I started this literally phoning people who didn't buy. I was like, so Randy, I saw you on the website and you shopped around. I mean, we're new business. Could you give me some feedback? And we're like, it felt like I was paying too much for yours. Cause if you can afford to build one for someone else, I'm paying. And I was like, mm, that was dumb. I was actually, your. the truth is you bought a big fancy king size, whatever, which was a lot of money, but the charity stuff that we were building twin mattress, waterproof, like it's not the same thing, but I can't expect my customer to know that. So I was like, okay, pivot 10 to one off it goes all the wow. literally took uh, the friction out of the equation. All the customers had no problem with us doing 10 to one, but they saw the social posts and they saw the truck backing up and the woman shelter getting the, and the hospice house getting them and the hospital getting them. And it was like, they that, that became a green light, but it's interesting. Oh, caveat, caveat, talk to some people before you commit to something like that. Cause it was a potentially catastrophic lesson. Had we not taken the time to try to learn it. That's very cool. If, if you are listening to this, you can literally just Google Haven mattresses. And even if you type in mamas for mamas, there's a really incredible video that you guys made showcasing a lot of what you do for them and the charities and how you're supporting them. It walks through a little bit of the process of why you're supporting them and what you're doing. But I would love to just hear, you know, how has that inspired you with the giving? You do the 10 to one and when you get to give those one mattresses away, does that inspire you to keep working harder and do more? And how is that impacting the team around you when they know that the more they sell, the more they get to get rid of, the more they get to help the people and get involved? Yeah, it's, it, it really becomes part of weaving a fabric with your team. So one of, the, one of the onboarding steps you go through as a new Havenite is you get to go on donation day. So you go down to the storage locker and you load up a van and you get in and you drive over and you put your TikTok on and you film capture and you get to meet the people. And if you're doing it locally here in Kelowna, you're doing it at the mama's mama's warehouse, which is yeah, a, a great opportunity. There's nothing more impactful than people seeing results, but it would be the same, same thing. If you went to the gym and you did it every day in a month later, you're like, wow, this is, I'll do this again. But if you don't see results, there's nothing there. I think employees and new recruits to Haven are very similar to that analogy that if they just turning out Facebook ads or they're replying to phone calls or chat and there's no direct correlation, you've missed an important thing. So I make sure, in fact, there is no one, okay, we hired two people this week, they haven't been, but other than that, everybody has been out on a donation day and they've literally shown up in the wintertime. And sometimes we do, sometimes I'll get a call, Jillian will call me and say, Hey, that I'm just, there's someone who's in a really not a great spot and they reached out to her for help. And she's, could you donate a bed? Could you, and we literally just, I keep inventory just to fire out that day. And in fact, if it ends up being a local thing, we'll just grab somebody, we'll go throw it in a car and drive over there and make a difference. And you, you start doing that as a habit, man, it's a pretty, it's a pretty good feeling when people see you as a source of positive change for them. Yeah, it feels really good. That's awesome. I want to jump into the second part of your giving component that you do for a company that's up and rising now called Second Slumber. 
And uh, what people don't realize is so much when you're buying these mattresses and you pack them so tight, it's hard to ship them back. And so it's hard to resell them because maybe somebody slept on it for, you offer a hundred day sleep guarantee. And maybe somebody sleeps on it for 99 days and goes, you know what? I don't like this one. And then, and then they want to send it back. And you've found a solution that stops mattresses from going into just landfills and allows them to create some revenue to be able to support different charities. So I'd love for you to just explain a little bit of what you've been able to create with Second Slumber. Yeah, sure. As it starts, every great solution starts with a big problem. And you've identified the one, which was all these beds go out and mathematically, some of them have to be returned. And the 100 night trial was a trigger for a lot of people to say, hey, give it a try. And Haven was fortunate. Like I said, we had such a high quality bed. Our return rate was only about 5%. Now, as a young entrepreneur, 5% still, how do I make it zero? You're not going to make it zero, but we were pretty happy with 5% because we did our research and the industry hovered just around 10. So about 10%, give or take one point up or down. So all these bed in the box companies were doing these terms. And I was looking at these 5% going, I think this is a big problem for me. So I put our team together, I actually brought in, I do some mentorship with the University of British Columbia, the Sauter's Business School there. Every year they have a, their capstone, the fourth year students before they go out in the world, have to go work in a company. So I brought them in and said, guys, here's a problem. Let's fix this. And for two, it took us two years that I needed two graduating classes to work through the problem, but we came up with Second Slumber and we're an online e-commerce matching service in towns because we don't want to touch the beds. We don't want to move them. The bed is in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I don't want to send a truck and a guy. I actually just want to find someone in Halifax, Nova Scotia who wants a deal on a mattress that's only two months old. And it's been verified and certified as like a hotel. We've all stayed in a hotel, so we know that a mattress isn't brand new every time you get on it. And we worked it and worked it. And you know what? The kids and I and the rest of the Haven team that dedicated to the mission, we actually got Haven certified last year that 100% of all Havens built are in forever homes. Hmm. So we matched those beds up all across Canada. And I phoned some of my contemporaries. And I said, guys, you run a successful mattress company. I realize we're natural competitors, I, but I think this is a big problem because I think, I think CBC is going to do a story on Marketplace and they're going to be standing at a dump going, here we are in downtown Mississauga. And right behind us is, is a truck dumping brand new mattresses into the landfill. Because the truth is, logistically, it was easier for us as a mattress maker to go, 1-800-GOT-JUNK, can you go Halifax? And it's off our plate. And it just became a cost of doing business for them. I was reading um, probably the most predominant bed-in-a-box manufacturer's letter to the shareholders last year. And they claimed that they did a little over $480 million in sales. And they had about 18% of their beds ended up in the land. And I just, it made, I just thought as a civilization, it takes us so much work to grow the materials the coil to turn to turn steel into coils to turn cotton into fabric to, to and then to end up as a society deciding it's okay if one in ten of these just goes in the ditch it just seemed like such a so I reached out to a couple Canadian brands and said we've solved this problem for us our customers eventually will see this as a superior advantage that they can buy from us and they even if they don't like it it's too firm it's too soft. I ordered a queen. You sent me a double by mistake. Whatever the problem is, that there's no guilt for them. Because once that CNBC marketplace airs, there should be a little bit of guilt on all of us for going, oh, so that's what would happen if, yeah, it kind of makes sense because they're not going to drive that thing on a truck back to Toronto. So 
some of the early brands have said, yeah, let's be a part of this. And they've let us into their ecosystem. And yeah, every month we save them, we save them disposal fees, which they're already like literally their second slumber. We were, if you're in second slumber one month, you're already ahead as a manufacturer. Cause first of all, your team didn't have to deal with a whole bunch of stuff and you're not paying to dispose of it. So really a win-win for them. And then of course the customers get their refunds in time. They're happy. And then the new guy, I sleep on a second slumber. Why would I buy a new one? I get a deal. Like I got a hustle and your launch burner right there. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Like a new one. Well, that's yeah. No, I'll take the, I'll drive over there and get that. That part. It's nice to see second slumber starting to get some traction. Interesting enough. We took our pitch to Dragon's Den. So we did film CBC and I'm not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> what I did, it was so much fun. And uh, yeah, so hopefully, hopefully if we were entertaining, we'll, we might get on, we'll make it on this fall. Huh. And it, uh, it was an important aspect when the Dragons saw that we looked at this and said, we're solving a major problem. We think that this is a great solution for the market. And we're going to cover our operating expenses, but we want the revenues generated from this to go to the Canadian Mental Health Association. And after coming through the last couple of years that we did, I was like, there is no, there's tons of charities out there and it's really hard to pick one. But I thought if Canadians could really make it an improvement, it would be how we handle things around our own mental health, our own wellness, our own investments that we need to make. And I, I just knew that as an entrepreneur, I wouldn't have the skills to really help people, but that's okay. I have the skills to be, build a machine that can generate the revenue to hire the people, to help the people. And we've yeah. partnered with HA and they're, they're just, they're beauties. They're great. And it's, it's been a great relationship. And of course, uh, my goal is build this in. I, I just want, I just want every mattress company in the world to go, why don't we just do this? <laughs> like you just second slumber, take them all and we'll all turn it into wellness. Like, and every brand should be going, we sell sleep, mental health and wellness. That actually fits. Let's yeah, no kidding. Thank you so much for sharing that too. Because that was a part that I wanted to tap into and I thought that maybe we we're going to run out of time for it. But there's a question I want to ask, which you might've just answered, but you have the heart, you have the mindset for the social impact through entrepreneurship and through, you know, what I'll just open quote as capitalism. You have the 10 to one, you have second slumber, you have the business, the operations and all that aspect on things. And the, there's a community element to it as well. If, if you said like your staff would just drive me on the corner and deliver it if it was local, but what's the legacy that you want to leave behind? It'll be interesting to see. I, the legacy that I'd like to leave behind, would like to have made a positive impact to an industry. And Second Slumber is probably the purest form of it because I'm like, we've had bed in a box for 10 years and I guarantee you for 10 years, it's been a problem. And some of the smartest people run those companies and they never wanted to take it on. <laughs> and I remember you do a SWOT analysis with your business in early days. And I looked at that social impact thing and I thought, what a beautiful, pure way to be trustworthy and ethical to your customer immediately. Because again, you're a new company, you're going to be mistrusted just because you don't, you're not in every sleep track country. record. And I thought it'll take three months until somebody knocks that off. And then this brand does this and this brand does that and this brand does this. And I was like, these guys know we do this social thing. Like they see celebrities showing up, handing out mattresses. This is totally going to get knocked off. They still don't knock it off. If you said to me six, five years ago, hey, you started this company. What do you think your legacy would be? Is it, I would just like every mattress company to make a single mattress every 
10. And it doesn't cost them much. And the truth is you end up taking a cut end of something that wasn't useful anyways. And you make a brand new bed for somebody that needs it and go donate it to charity. And if every mattress company, like just think of that as society, we're consuming mattresses every single day and every 10 or I don't know, make it 20 if, you, if they, they think it's too expensive. Every 20 we make, we're going to make one of these off and peel off. We've solved sleep problems quite easily. And my legacy originally back then was, I just want every mattress company to do this. So I don't, that one's not, doesn't look like it's coming up anytime soon that I'll realize that in my lifetime. So while I'm waiting for that wave to sweep the nation, we're going to go work on the, the ones we're going to be sending to landfill. Let's keep those out of the landfill. And at, at this point, I just want to continue to push and I'm not going to wait for anybody. We're, I'm not, we'll find the next thing and we'll go iterate and fix whatever problem we think that is either, whether it's a problem for Haven or whether it's a problem for society or a problem of why I can't retire. I don't know. Maybe that's the, at some point I want to start thinking about that one, but uh, Scott, I got one other question for you right before we jump into our rapid fire round and feel free to get as emotional as you want out of it. I'll say that, but is there a memory that you can think of, right? Here it comes. Leave it to the Canadian podcast host to, to bring out the, the heartfelt questions. But is there a memory that you can think of that is just one of your favorite moments of giving that we do think about it? It still gives you goosebumps today. No. And show. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. There is. So very early days, company's still brand new. We're starting to do our 10 to 1 donations. I end up, my wife and I are back in Ontario to visit family. And I ended up doing a donation in Burlington, Ontario. And Burlington, we got matched up with a charity there, which is the Woman's Shelter in Burlington. And we were dropping off 20 beds. And I reached out to Brian and Sarah Baumler and I said, hey, you guys are in Oakville. I'm in Burlington tomorrow. It'd be really cool if you just drop by and show up. Maybe we'll buy you lunch and we'll just... And they came. So you get to walk through a woman's shelter with them my wife and brian and sarah and we got to meet the people running it's november and we get told the beds you're delivering today help a family spend christmas together because we can't place the kids in the home if there's no mattresses there has to be a basic level and we did that how was that well, that's as close to emotional as i could get that was uh, randy were you any good there that was special that's, hold on a sec here, Steve. There's some dust in my room here too. Those are the moments that we just love having our guests share. It's like, you donate a lot of mattresses. You do a lot of philanthropy work. And it's something as simple as having a moment like that keeps you motivated to do the next one and get out there and not just donate the mattress, but actually see the impact that it has. And watching that, that's special, Scott. And I'm glad you got Thank to share that, that audience. One. We want to jump into our giving round before we send you off. So just a few quick rapid fires questions for you. You ready? I am. Ready now. Brag on one charity that you like. Talk about Mamas for Mamas. Again, Shannon and I have been friends for since she started the charity. She was literally a Facebook group. She's like, I have a kid's toddler car seat. Anyone want it for free? Oh, I have a toddler. I'll take it. The currency is caring. There's no cash. And that built up to a couple thousand, 3,000, 4,000 people. She started getting requests from businesses saying, hey, we have these products that we'd like to donate to you. And Shannon, I, was, I mentioned I was in the car business. Shannon would come to me and say, hey, can I borrow like a van or a truck or something? I got to go pick up some stuff and drop stuff off. So our relationship started that way. She just kept borrowing things. And I was like, okay, we're buying you a van. 
because I can't afford to have my inventory and my salespeople running all over the place. I got to make some dough here. So we did a fundraiser. We bought her. She, the fundraisers paid for the van. She got a van. We got all logoed up. And then she built this. She's now got, she's in multiple provinces. She's nationwide. She, you know, we were part of the whole thing, getting them registered as a charity. And yeah, guys, check out the, check out mamasformamas.com. They're, if they're not in your neighborhood, they're in a major center near you. And they literally are about eradicating poverty in, in, in regional direct areas with people with boots on the ground. And they just do such an amazing job. And the team there is some of the most passionate people I know. And I, you know, and Shannon was pivotal in early stages because I went to her with the mission, the social mission. And I said, you have to understand I'm a capitalist. This is a, this is going to be a muscle group. I will have no experience in. And she was very kind to say, these are the things to avoid. And this is how you build a social business. And this is how you, this is how you properly give, respectfully give, you give a hand up, you don't give a hand out. So she was very important in giving me a foundation upon which I could take on the challenge because I wasn't fully prepared to, to take on that role. So I was in being able to have a resource like that. So yeah, I would definitely say that's the closest one for me. Now said, what gets you more excited? Donating a $1 million check or spending a week physically helping others? I would say the dough. Right. Yeah. The, the, because I know that's a multiplier. My, my hourly rate or my hourly value multiplied out over a week. There's, there's obviously the endorphins. And I think the impact of the dough would, as long as I knew how it was being placed, that that would do significantly more good than anything I could lift. And I hope, I hope a lot of people see it that way. Cause you know, it's, it's all about a multiplication factor. If you can 10 X something, 10 X is better than doing it all by yourself. Very cool. Who inspires you with their giving? You guys. I was like, Randy and Steve, like this, I understand quite well the challenges of real estate development. And not only are you guys too independent and collaborative entrepreneurs, but you guys are also building bigger community, right? You guys are bringing in, you know, people who are new to real estate investment and people who are seasoned in it and taking, that's not really a business that's known for caring. In fact, I think Terms like slumlords and like that is just the connotation is like a negative. And I really like to see that you guys are taking a marketplace and saying, hey, there is probably some negative here. And there is, man, we, we can balance some of this stuff out and turn your business into a machine that every month does its own production. It's, you don't have to go out there and work it. It's already just baked into the fabric of the company and the model. That's, that to me is a win. And I really encourage people I encourage business people to not just wait till the end of the year and write a check. Oh, Cancer Society, here we go. There, I did it. Build it, in it, put it in the thing and don't think about it. It just spits out. Oh, how many donations this month? Okay, perfect. And it like, and you guys have done that. And, and that's where I get inspired is seeing business people who want a perpetual donation machine rather than the once a year check thing. I think the once a year check thing needs to, well, stop doing it. <laughs> but just if you can hard bake something in, that's a way better solution. So thank you for that. And perfect segue to my next question is, do you think that businesses should start giving from day one or wait until they've seen some success in the business and then include that in, until like the line items? Depends on the maturity of the entrepreneur. If the founding team is really on shaky ground, I would say, give yourself six months, but put it in writing, say, I'm going to give you guys tax-free six months to figure out the model, but at this, this benchmark, revenues of 10 grand a month or 
hundred units or three staff or whatever the benchmark, put a benchmark in and say, I'll let you run free till then hit the benchmark, kick it in. I will tell you <laughs> some of the very best run companies are run from people who build during adversity. And we're really in a great marketplace right now to talk about adversity because for the first time in a lot of business people's careers, like there's a lot of, you know, a lot of the people who would work for Haven or Second Slumber are late twenties, early thirties. They don't know what it's like to be in a hustle economy. They, they, everything for them has been, hey, they're dating more this month. Hey, they're buying more this month. It's like, no, that doesn't always work like that. So back to the question, which is, should you start from day one? I love the fact that you have the courage to start from day one because you're taxing the system today. You're literally saying, not only am I going to the gym, but I'm going to put on a weight vest and go to the gym. As long as you don't kill yourself, what a great discipline to build in your company. In fact, it's if you read self-help books and they say, do you want to save for retirement? Just take the first 5% off your paycheck and just force it in there. You never see it. Do that to your company from this 5% is for my charity. This is it just, I don't even, I don't even get to count those dollars. If you can get in that as a discipline, you'll build that wealth bank automatically. And it won't, it'll never be perceived by you as a cost because it was never yours in the first place. The only time you have a, a cost to something is when you have to give it up. If that was a line item on a financial statement, it just got funded. You just built it. So the first answer, my favorite answer would be, I'd love to tax you first, get you out of the gate and, and do go to the gym with the weight vest on. You'll be a better entrepreneur for it. But I do recognize that not entrepreneurs have the same hustle, drive and experience. So if you need a little bit of a break, I'll give you a little break, but bake it in hit the benchmarks, turn it on. Scott, you're hired. We just found our new go big to get big spokesperson because that was a pitch for pitch what we like to say. So I absolutely <laughs> love that. In a, shoot, in a short few quick words, what do you think of when you hear go big to give big? I get it. I get it. The, the, and I almost, I would almost say I'd like to reverse it. I would almost say it makes just as much sense to me or maybe more, which is to give big unlocks things for you to get big. And, and unfortunately, sometimes if you're focused on, if you're, if you really drive only to get big, you're feeding a muscle group to keep that analogy, you're feeding a muscle group that will be hard to shut off. But if you give big and you, and you focus on the give big, the give big, let's look, what could we do to, what could we do to send mattresses to the Bahamas after they had a hurricane? It was like, Bahamas just got wiped out in 2020 in, in a hurricane. It was like, what could we do to get mattresses down there? I was like, what phone Brian Baumler and say, Brian, do you have a container going? Yes, I have a container going. Brian, here's some beds, put them on a container. You go handle them. You focus on the, how can you give big? And sure enough, there's Brian on the beach going, hey, we both got these mattresses from Haven. And here we are in the Bahamas and people have nothing to sleep on. And he starts giving them out and you go, well, the universe isn't going to punish me for that. <laughs> <laughs> the law of reciprocity, I just chick-chinged. Yeah. <laughs> so focusing on the right muscle group, I, I think there's they're just such a beautiful serendipitous relationship between unlocking doors and unlocking doors. You, you help some people unlock a few doors they couldn't figure out and someone will come and unlock one for you. Awesome. Second to last question here for you. In one word, describe the feeling you get when you give. Courage. Courage. I know that business is tough out there. And sorry, that's not one word. That's a word in the explanation. <laughs> but I, I, business is tough out there. And for people who will, who will do, 
do unto others first. I, I think that's the greatest, the greatest courage it is to, to, to maybe take a step back or delay your gratification so that you can help other people go ahead. That's a pretty cool thing. And I really like to encourage that in, in people. Love that word and love that explanation that goes with it. The final question we ask all of our guests, the age old question, I'm sure you've heard it before. Do you believe that money can buy you happiness? It gets some great stuff. It gets <laughs> like it gets some. Oh man, some of the meals I've had. Woo. And I'm a bit of a wine drinker. I live in the, the Okanagan, right? So there's some yeah. like go up a bottle or like a price range. You get unlocked some really yummy stuff. But uh, no, I I I believe for my own definition of success, I have really come to terms with the fact that. Monetary valuation is a, a sucker game. It really is. I feel bad for the people who didn't learn it as early as I did, but it really is such a shallow existence. And the amount of friends that I have that... So what happens is once you get to a certain level of affluence, you start to separate yourself from the rest of the community because you think your friends are here because they want to use my lake house and they want to use my boat and they want to... And you go out to dinner and it's all I'm expected to buy every time and I'm buying the round... Friends, being an affluent person, I know I'm not affluent, but I know enough of them. They tend to have a big house somewhere and they spend a lot of time in that house alone. Like you would think that everyone's just over having parties and stuff, but when you have, there is a bit of a burden to having a ton of money because you don't really know who's there for what incentive and what motive. And again, a lot of my affluent friends, it's a struggle to, to live in that skin. And, and then you'll be away on a trip somewhere and you're in Thailand and you meet a guy in the fruit market and, and this guy makes the best pad thai you've ever tasted in your life. And it's $2 and you have a Chang beer and this guy tells you his story of his day and you're like, dude, I'm way less dude, stressful. Dude, <laughs> dude, you're not missing out on it. <laughs> I know the difference. You are a happy dude, you have great kids. You have, you get to, you're an entrepreneur. So there's just certain things there that, yeah, I would definitely answer that question that as much as you can surround yourself with nicer things, collect moments, not things. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I love that. Scott, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all that insight with us today. That was an incredible episode. We absolutely loved it. A little bit longer and well worth the time to get that information out there because everything you said today was absolute gold. I would love for you to just give a quick plug for Haven Mattresses. Where can people find them? How do they get them? And everyone listening should go be able to pick one up. Awesome, folks. Scott here from Haven Mattress, Canada's first plant-based, eco-friendly, chiropractic-approved mattresses, hand-sewn in Calgary and Toronto, available in a box, shipped right to your door, 100-night trial, You'll love it. And if you don't, I'll buy it back. Havenmattress.ca. There it is, folks. Simple and easy. You've got that one dialed in. <laughs> awesome, Scott. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. We absolutely loved it. And we look forward to watching your journey and staying connected. Randy, Steve, thank you so much for having me on the show. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm proud of you guys. Make a difference out there. And uh, yeah, to be continued. Beauty. Thank you. That was awesome, man. Thank you for listening to the show. If you know someone who's an example of Go Big to Get Big, we would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can, and it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember, 
Always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.